And I welcome you back to the Bill Bennett Show. We take a look at the news of the day. We have thoughtful conversation about things that matter. I'm joined by my colleague, Claude Jennings. Claude? I am uh, honored to be considered a colleague, sir. But thank Thank you. you. Yes. And a friend, by the way. Why not? Well, we enjoyed a really good lunch at a a local uh, D.C. uh, Well, I guess it was uh, Maryland. Asian restaurant. It was great. Yeah. yeah we had yeah, a good time, man. We, we had a really good time. We had fun. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure I wanted that known by Mrs. Bennett. However, nevertheless, oh, that's okay. I, yeah, I'm not <laughs> supposed to eat that salt. You know. oh. <laughs> John Hinderocker joins us today. Right. He's one of the founders of Powerline. He's the president of the Center of the American Experiment. Great organizations. There's so many things on my mind. I really want to discuss them with John. But, um, you know, we got to get this aid to Israel right away. And I don't know why people don't see this as an existential crisis of the first order. Say whatever you want about Ukraine. This is Israel. And, you know, it's a democracy. It's a free country. It shares our values. I'm so impressed with these people they interview too, aren't you, Claude? Oh, they're for just sure. so. Yeah. And you know something? They're all they're all of the same view. Mm-hmm. They're all united in their view. And uh, I'm worried about the rest of the world. We'll talk about that with uh, with John Hinderocker. Um, I don't know about the election. We're going to talk about that as well. Um, I don't know about the um, conference championship football college games this weekend. <laughs> But I would say if anyone's out there inclined to bet, I would bet on Oregon. Yeah, yeah. Texas. Mm-hmm. And I believe I'd take the points and Alabama. Did you see the end? And I'm I'm asking this because I know you did. But did you see the you know, end of this Alabama? Number one, if you're Auburn, wouldn't – number one, if you're rushing just two – defensive linemen, there's no reason why any part of the end zone is not covered, number one. But number two, don't you rush, you know, Milrow out the pocket? In that game, he made two passes beyond the line of scrimmage. Don't you rush him on fourth and goal from like the 33 or 35? Of course you do. I don't understand the decision to not do that. Well, I'm nine guys defending the pass. Right. But he had all day. And All that day. pass to that back left side of the pylon in the end zone. I mean, the, he's got a lot of growing to do. We've seen that all season, but he can make the throws. He can, I mean, that pass was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. that This will be a real titanic struggle. <laughs> all right. We're going to talk to John. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Show. Listen, we've got skyrocketing inflation, over $33 trillion in debt, that's trillion with a T, war in Ukraine, and now war in Israel. How much worse can it get under this leadership? That's why thousands of hardworking Americans are diversifying their savings with precious metals like gold and silver. I personally bought some precious metals, and I got them from the top-rated company, Gold Co. Gold Co. has helped countless Americans like you and me place over $2.5 billion in gold and silver. They're rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau. They've earned over 5,000 five-star reviews. They're a seven-time Inc. 5,000 winner. 
And that's just a few of their accomplishments. Right now, for listeners of this show, Gold Co. is offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver. That's right, $10,000 worth of silver, but only while supplies last. Go to goldco.com slash bill to learn more. That's goldco.com slash bill. G-O-L-D-C-O dot com slash bill. Diversify your savings with gold and silver before it's too late. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. John, uh, can you tell us, the audience, uh, what you're doing in London? Well, we're here on vacation. Actually, <laughs> we're taking kind of a long vacation. We spent a week in Paris, and now we're spending a week in London, heading back to Minnesota on Saturday. Wow, nice. How was Paris? Paris was great. You know, we had never been there before. We, really? We've been, we've been to London quite a few times. Uh, it's a really our favorite vacation destination. But we were feeling kind of foolish that, you know, we, we've never been to Paris, never been to France. Yeah, and so we um, we uh, spent some time there. We had a wonderful time. It was a lot of fun. Did you eat well? We Well, we eat well wherever we go, Bill. And yeah, I don't yeah. know. You like to eat well, too. And, yeah, yeah. and my wife is a great cook, and, and we, we like good restaurants. And, yeah, you found them. Yeah. Yeah, we eat well. So – Israel. Let's talk about the international scene first, and then we'll talk about the domestic scene. What do you see is going on? How do you analyze what's going on? What encourages you? What troubles you? Well, Bill, I'm afraid that Israel may have made a, may have made a terrible mistake in agreeing to this ceasefire. Uh, I, I think that in the wake of the, the massacre of October 7, they they really needed to deal with Gaza once and for all in, in a decisive way and inflict the kind of defeat on Gaza that the Allies inflicted uh, first on Germany and then on Japan to end World War II. You know, this 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 low-level conflict between Israel and the so-called Palestinians has been going on for decades. And people talk about the cycle of violence and so on. Well, the reason there's a cycle of violence is that there has never been a definitive end to the war. And and that's what has to happen. Uh, you know, Germany, after 1945, after the firebombing of Dresden, after the destruction of Berlin and so yeah, on, yeah. Th- there was no thought in Germany of, hey, let's let's rearm and start marching again. Now, that did happen after World War One. Right. There was a 20 year truce after World War One. And the reason it happened is that the German people were never really convinced that they had lost what the what they called the Great War, right? Yep, yep. Same thing in Japan after Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Nobody was saying, "Hey, let's bide our time and rearm, and you know, we'll start invading other countries again." Uh, you know, it didn't happen. wasn't going to happen. But but in the Middle East, we've never had that kind of a decisive result, and this sick sick culture that the so called Palestinians have developed in the West Bank and even more so in Gaza, where, you know, their educational system is is devoted primarily to inculcating Jew hatred in their children. I mean, it's just appalling, as you know, Bill. And yeah. and their economy is pretty much non-existent. I mean, it's a it's a nation of of welfare dependents living off the largesse of the United States, the United Nations, and the European Union. I mean, only half yeah. the people in Gaza even pretend to have a job, you know. 
Yeah. And, and it's a very sick culture. It's a very sick society, a sick situation. And I think Israel needed to deal with it once and for all. And by stopping their offensive and agreeing to this ceasefire, which which Hamas, I'm afraid, is going to be able to control by doling out hostages a few at a time. Uh, and meanwhile, Israel is coming under increasing pressure, including from the United States, from President Biden, not to resume its offensive. And I'm I'm just very concerned, Bill, that 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 Hamas is going to come away uh, with a victory here. Well, whose decision was this? That is, uh, let's take your last sentences there. If if America wasn't in on it, Biden wasn't in on it, would the Israelis by themselves, because of their interest in returning their people, have uh, yielded to the idea of a pause? Would they have agreed to it? Yeah, I, that's a great question, Bill. I mean, you know, the, the Israelis have this this weak spot, you know, the yeah, humanitarianism yeah. Uh, about their own people, uh, about their own people. I want to frankly about the about the Palestinians, too. They they treat the people of Gaza vastly with more consideration than Hamas does, you know. And and uh, and there's this asymmetry between the vicious savagery of the Palestinians, the Gazans, on the one side, and the civilized humanity of the Israelis on the other. And I, I, I'm a little concerned about, you know, how that asymmetry ever uh, gets overcome. Yeah. So the pause now extends, or there's a second pause or a third pause. It gives Hamas the ability to rearm, right, to relocate. Uh, and uh, as you're saying, the beat goes on, right? Momentum is important in just about every activity in life, Bill, and and momentum is particularly important in warfare. And yeah, the Israelis yeah. had it. Uh, they were making real progress uh, toward, you know, getting this cancer excised once and for all. And then they stopped. And as you say, it gave it gave Hamas a chance to regroup, uh, rearm, um, you know, and and I think it's going to be difficult to to regain that momentum. I hope I'm wrong, Bill. I really seriously hope I'm wrong. I hope that the 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 pause ends soon, and I hope that the offensive is renewed, and I hope the Israelis have the stomach to carry it through to a decisive conclusion, which is the only way they're ever going to be able to overcome this problem. I would see if they got the last hostages back, Israel then going again full bore. Uh, as Hamilton said, when you go to war, go like Hercules. If they they had the last hostage, would they do? Would they do that? Or because we cannot, I cannot imagine world opinion hard hardening on this. It's going to get softer and softer. There's going to be more and more pressure to turn the pause into a ceasefire. And to turn the ceasefire into a permanent ceasefire, no? I think that's exactly correct. And what we're confirming, what we're seeing confirmed here is that taking hostages works. I mean, it's just sad. Uh, yeah. You know, sneak attack with the massacres and the rapes and the, you know, uh, awful things that took place. And and, and alongside that, I th- they, they, they gave like $10,000 rewards for every hostage that their soldiers could bring back to Gaza because, you know, they knew the value of the hostages. And, and this is exactly the way that they intended for it to play out and 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 when and when the israelis allow uh the existence of hostages to dictate 
the military situation, they are guaranteeing that that there will be more attacks and that more hostages will be taken. You know, and it seems heartless, Bill. And I know it's easy to say when it's not your family, it's not your not your countrymen. But and you're a better historian than I am. But who is the medieval monarch? who had given his oldest son, I think it may have been William Marshall, I, I could be wrong about that, as um, as a hostage, which was, as you know, is done often in the Middle Ages. And then there was a falling out, you know, between that monarch and the one to who, to, with, with whom his son was a hostage. And, and, and the, the other monarch threatened to, to execute uh, the, the son who was the hostage. And the answer from, from, from the king came back, um, I have other sons. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and in fact, as it turned out, that son was not executed. <laughs> the, the, the king didn't kill him. He realized yeah. it wouldn't do any. Realized it wouldn't do any good. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you know. I know. I know. It seems harsh and inhuman and so on. But I, I think you you cannot allow yourself to be endlessly manipulated by the taking of hostages. All right, but I, I have another question here. So let's say then it goes back to. Status quo ante, you know, uh, back where they were. And meanwhile, some people are celebrating the, uh, uh, you know, people in Gaza, the Hamas people, for returning the hostages, right? What good guys they are to do that. Uh, <laughs> terrible, ridiculous. But do we get status quo ante or not? I mean, part of this thing is, and I want to go to this sort of broader consideration, is you know, I'm, I'm watching and I'm seeing that there seems to be continuing activity uh, of, uh, of uh, a kinetic activity warfare on the northern front in Israel from Hezbollah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm worried that as the Israelis retreat, people sm- send, smell weakness. And this is used as an opportunity to try to exterminate Israel, which a lot of people in the world want to do. More than I thought. Bill, it has been absolutely shocking, the response uh, to these events. Uh, Hamas and, and Gaza. I, I, you know, I, I prefer to talk about Gaza. You know, the idea that Hamas is this you know, minority that has imposed itself and is oppressing yeah, yeah. the people of Gaza is just wrong. You know, they, they, they won the election. They rule with the clear support of a large majority of Gazans. Yeah, yeah. When, when you see the videos, which they posted, you know, they posted themselves, they were proud of it, of the of the Jewish hostages being taken into Gaza and the celebrations yeah, of the people yeah. there and the, the beating on, on the Jewish hostages and the spitting on the Jewish hostages and these sickening scenes that we've seen. Find, find me the innocent civilians, Bill. Find me yeah, the innocent right. civilians in Gaza. I, I, I'm not seeing them. I'm not seeing them in those in those videos. And and to me, that's the overriding fact. It's not. It's not. You. Right. Israel has tried to deal with this by going after the top leadership of Hamas. You know, try to decapitate Hamas. Hamas is not the problem. Hamas is the symptom. It's this ideology of 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 wanting to exterminate the Jews that has completely dominated the culture of these Palestinians, and and that's the problem. Not, and not just not just the, and not just those guys. No, well, no a lot the, of guys, and and, yeah. and 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 an indifference in a lot of the the world, 
and worse than indifference in a lot you know, of the world. Bill, you know, on, on October 8th, the day after the sneak attack and the massacres across the world, there were substantial pro-Hamas anti-Israel yeah. demonstrations. They, yeah. they, didn't wait, they didn't wait for Israel to start bombing Gaza or anything of this sort. They were out of the streets the next day celebrating, yeah, 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 celebrating yeah, yeah. the outrages that the Gazans had perpetrated, and they've been doing it ever since. I mean, in London, where I am right now, every Saturday, there's something like 100,000 or some people say 200,000 people turn out to demonstrate really for the for the destruction of Israel and the extermination of the Jews. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what what is that about? I mean, I, I you know, uh, <laughs> I have many Jewish friends, as you do. Uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. I thought most of the world was Jewish as uh, you know, my neighborhood was. And I've heard Jews say for a long time, it's very close to the surface, this anti-Semitism. And I said, oh, well, yeah, I guess, you know, okay. I'm not sure I really believed it. I believe it now. By God, I believe it now. Bill, I've been shocked. I've been shocked at what has happened in our universities. There you go. That's We can shift I mean, to that. My God. What, what is this, John? What is this? Uh, you know, and some of it, some of it is that is it's 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 the leftist crusade of the day. I, I think you know our yeah, educational yeah, system yeah. is so terrible, so yeah. off. I, I think these young people don't know any facts, you know, and yeah. they've been sold this ridiculous bill of goods, in which you know. And, and one of the things, if you're growing up and going to school now, Bill, one of the main things you learn about is settler colonialism, right? It's the great evil of world history is settler colonialism. Right, of course, right. the, the the number one instance of settler colonialism is the United States of America. Right, you know, we're, right. we're the target. But the way this this fable is spun out, instance number two is Israel. Which, of course, is insane. The Jews have been in Israel for 3,500 years. The Jews were in Israel for more than 2,000 years before the first Arabs arrived. If anybody is settler colonialist, it's the Arabs. But, but, but that narrative, stupid and false though it is, has been sold to millions of college students. And so they all know, you know, the party line, the left-wing party line, is is that Israel should be destroyed. And they were completely unconcerned, apparently, with the horrors of October 7th. They don't care about mass murder and gang rape and, and decapitating babies. You know, it's just, it's shocking. Yeah, you said, you know, sort of cause of the day. I think some of this is just um, let's get out there and demonstrate. You know, we want to demonstrate what's our cause because you see people interviewed. They don't know anything. No. You know, just a chance to you know demonstrate, maybe to meet a girl or meet a guy. Or something. Yeah, I mean, it, it just seems to be frivolous. But other of these people, demonstrators, are really Israel and Jew haters. Um, 
I, I, watch, I watched a woman last night at this Oakland City Council meeting. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, actually, the Jews did this to their own children. They beheaded them and butchered them and then blamed it on the uh, on Hamas. I mean, it, it just, you know, in, insanity. Completely but I think insane. believed, but believed, I think. Because you can believe anything now about the U.S. settler colonialism uh, or its allies. So I, 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 I don't want to interrupt your thinking. But back to my worry, which is that this, seeing it here and seeing it in London, and I guess probably in Paris, right? Yeah, I think there's been some of it. We didn't see it uh, in okay, Paris. Okay, okay. We right. haven't seen it in London because because we've been traveling on Saturdays, you know, yeah. which is when yeah. they but tend it's, to but do it's it. there. I, yeah, it's there. Yeah. But but so is, is, is this now going to be, is this pitch? Uh, going to get louder, increase, will the volume increase, will the pressure increase, and will there be more of an effort to exterminate Israel? Well, I, I, yeah, I, I think there will be more of an effort. I think I think we're seeing it starting to come to a crescendo. But I want to go back to the universities for a moment, Bill. Okay, because, please, yeah. Because one of the things that you see, you know, where what universities are, are these ridiculous anti-Semitic incidents occurring at right, right. it's not it's not hillsdale it's not liberty uh it's not ohio state you know where is it well it's harvard it's mit it's nyu you know it's it's places of it's berkeley places of that ilk one of the i think i think the core you know these these ignorant ignorant uh college student leftists i think they're participating because um you know it's the left-wing cause of the day but I think the core of the real vicious anti-Semitism is likely coming from foreign students. And I think one of the things we're seeing here is that in the, recent, the past few decades, the emphasis at the so-called prestige universities, uh, including some of the smaller you know, liberal arts colleges that maybe not all that prestigious, right? But there's been this huge emphasis on foreign students, on being international Part of the reason for that is that nobody pays full tuition anymore except the foreigners. That's right. That's so, right. And so the universities, they admit all these Chinese students, some of them don't even speak English, you know, but they don't right. care because they're the only ones that will actually pay $90,000 a year in tuition. Yeah, you betcha. And so it's become a huge revenue source for the universities. And the prestige universities, like places like Harvard and MIT, you know, they don't think of themselves as American institutions. They no. are they are global. They are international, and they are very proud of the fact that they have students from you know a hundred nations around the world, or whatever it might be. And and I think that that the real core of the vicious anti-Semitism on those campuses is is probably coming from foreign students from the Middle East. And I think, and, and nobody wants to talk about that. You know, it's very hard to get facts. But one of the reasons I say that is because at MIT, they had this horrible incident, which you know all about, you know, the Jewish students were chased into the library and they were locked into the library trying to defend themselves against a mob, an anti-Semitic mob that was trying to get at them. And the mob is out there pounding on the doors and trying to break in. And these, these Jewish students are, are, are cowering and in, locked inside the, inside the library. It was a, you know, and, and the, and the mob is told to disperse and they won't disperse. It was a horrible, horrible incident. Well, afterwards it came out that the reason why MIT didn't 
suspend or expel, which is what they should have done, the students who are participating in that mob, is that they feared that if they did so, many of those students would be deported. Mm-hmm. Well, well, number one, they, they ought to be deported. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a feature, sure. not a bug, right? But number two, well, what that tells us is that the, the, the large number of the students engaging in that absolutely intolerable conduct were foreign students from the Middle East, not Americans. And okay. I think that is an important part of the picture in terms of the campuses. We take some comfort in that. That it wasn't well, not much, not, not, not less than change your immigration policies. You know, yeah, you've okay, seen yeah. videos of, in New York City, you know, where talk yeah. about talk about trying to defend yourself from a mob. I mean, the, the mob is 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 marauding through Midtown and they attack Grand Central Station. They're trying to break in and and New York police officers have barricaded themselves. They've locked the doors and they're holed up inside Grand Central Station. And this mob is, you know, beating on the doors, you know, trying to break the glass, kicking the doors, trying to break in. And you look at the mob and you say, okay, who are these people? You know, who are these people? And the large majority of them are obviously Middle Eastern by heritage. And and I don't know how many of these people are are citizens, uh, yeah. and how many are uh, are either legal or or in some cases perhaps illegal aliens. But we got to tighten up our immigration practices. You know, yeah. I mean, if we yeah. are allowing people into this country and thousands of them are you know, marauding through midtown Manhattan and trying to break into Grand Central Station and attack police officers. Um, task number one is to is to identify these people and get them the heck out of the country where we can. Yeah. And, and this is part of the reason Republicans have attached uh, border uh, control monies to the bill to support Israel and Ukraine. Yeah. You notice that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, 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 too. I still worry that this thing's going to mushroom and get even bigger. And um, of course, I'm very concerned about the universities. This is where I used to live. It's where I come from. You know, it's my hive. Uh, as a professor there, you know, card carrying PhD in philosophy. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I look at it. You know what I think of? I think of Eisenhower taking pictures. You know, the concentration camps. And he said, just get pictures everywhere. And people said, why? And he said, because people won't believe this ever happened. Yeah. Or, and I think with these students, it's not a matter of them not believing it. It's that, that, them not being told. But did they learn this, by the way? Did they learn about concentration camps? Well, no, I know in many cases, I think they did not. Not, um, not at all. Really, never. No, not a mention. But let's just build on that, Bill, because this is a really important point, and it, it ties in everything we've been talking about, the, the, the terrible nature of our public schools in America. Now, as you know, my organization, Center of the American Experiment, has been fighting a battle that's been going on now for three years against proposed new social studies standards that would guide the teaching of history and other social mm-hmm. studies subjects in in all public schools K through 12 in the state of Minnesota and we have we have held dozens of public meetings all over the state talking about this we got we've gotten uh more than 37,000 
uh, no, actually, no, no. Now more than 40,000 Minnesotans to file public comments in various stages of the proceeding opposing uh, these these proposed new standards. And right now it's in the hands of an administrative law judge. And we, 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 we got a public hearing. We testified in the public hearing. He's now taken it under advisement. We'll see, we'll see what happens. But the reason that we are so bitterly opposed to these new standards is that they are shot through with this nonsense about settler colonialism. They're shot through with this nonsense about white privilege and all this kind of stuff. And and, and the the, the whole point of it, the whole point of it is to be anti-American. You know, it's, it's a combination of racism uh, racial essentialism and anti-Americanism, but yeah. but as we all know, if America is the great Satan in the eyes of liberals, Israel is the little Satan, and so yeah, these right. standards also are anti-Israel. They they have the false narrative of Israel as the colonial expropriator, you know, and the yeah 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 the Arabs yeah. as the indigenous you know victims. And and uh, and this is what kids are being taught in the public. That's right. School. Well, you curse the darkness. I'm lighting a candle. Uh, I'm working very hard on a, a history curriculum called the Story of America, which is we think a Diana story of America, and it'll be for uh, middle school and high school. And uh, it's already been uh, adopted, taken, bought uh, by a few states, and uh, we think it's pretty good. It's based on my book. Uh, yeah. the last best hope so yeah terrific book well that's great. anyway good well, but good for you guys i knew you were about this and this is just really awful can i say the latest awful thing to come out of minnesota is your is your is your state okay is minneapolis st paul healed no it, gosh no 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 oh, no, gosh, no not no. no it hasn't come back hasn't come back and I, i'm not sure it's going to come back really you know, well, just real quickly, Bill, you know, you, you can measure this objectively because you can get data on the whereabouts of cell phones. And so some people have done this and, and they've, they've, you can see how many cell phones, which is just a proxy for people, you know, were in downtown, you know, Portland, Seattle, Las Vegas, Boston, you know, Minneapolis in 2019 before the COVID epidemic. And how many are in, in those downtowns now? Well, some cities have come all the way back. Number one is Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City is not yeah. like 130% or something, the activity uh, that it had, you know, pre-COVID. Minneapolis is at 40%, 40% of the pre-COVID wow. activity. Hasn't even come back halfway. It's one of the three worst cities in America in terms of failing to to regain traffic uh, downtown. Does and I think that that's, stores that's closing good... and restaurants oh, yeah. closing. And, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. 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 So I am. I think that's a that's a that's a real fundamental objective indicator of 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 what's happening. George Floyd was a big uh, a big problem in America, wasn't it? Well, the lies about George Floyd were the, were the, were the really big problem. Floyd himself was a problem, by the way, you know, career criminal. Uh, he was a sure. problem, but, but the lies about his death. You know, there's there's a a new documentary film that was made by some friends of ours. It's called The Fall of Minneapolis. And you can you can watch it for free on YouTube, and I, I recommend it. it. It's a documentary about the George Floyd case, what happened to George Floyd, and the sequel, and how the city of Minneapolis was just you know devastated uh, in the in the aftermath as a result of a failure of political leadership. Yeah, terrible, horrible, awful. What about police force? Full strength. Well, 
<laughs> oh, oh man, I, it's nowhere near full strength, and I don't know how it's ever going to be. They, who, who in his right mind would want to go to work as a police officer for the city of Minneapolis? I mean, the the, the mayor to this day, you know, condemns his own police force as being rife with racism, you know, which is just nonsense. Yeah, the former police chief denounced his own force, you know, yeah. and he was black, and he was black, by the way, denounced yeah. his force as being racist, and then of course he he quit and and walked away. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. And um, and the miracle is that they've got anybody working for the Minneapolis Police Department. They're they're way understaffed, and and uh, you know it's hard to see how that's going to change. Hey, Bill, can 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 I make another fundamental point though that we kind of touched on? Yes, sir. Talking about you know the especially what's happening in the universities and but also around the world. And and this is what's really shocking to me. I can understand that kids have been brainwashed into this anti-American, anti-Israel, the anti-free enterprise, et cetera, mindset. But how about just fundamental morality? I mean, I, these people, I mean, when you read about what happened on October 7th, and there's no doubt about it. I mean, there's ample video and photographic evidence of it, most of it recorded by the perpetrators themselves because they were proud of it. And when you when you see and, and learn about the events of that day, you know, the gang rapes and the murders and, you know, the the, the machine gunning of people in shelters, the the paragliding into the music festival and gunning down all these young people, hunting them down like game, the beheading of babies, baking babies in the oven, the gang rapes of women. Apparently what they would do is they would gang rape them and then they would break their legs and then they would shoot them. And and oh and a normal person is infuriated by this, Bill. I mean, how 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 do you as a 20 or 21 or 22-year-old college student hear about this and say, "Oh, I'm going to go out now and demonstrate in favor of it?" Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just can't I I don't understand how a human being can be so unmoored from any moral sense as to as to learn about these events and say, oh, yeah, that's OK. You know, I'm for it or I'm indifferent to it. Yeah, I know. You know, I um, another project I'm working on. It's very modest, but maybe make a difference. Been working with a company that's very effective teaching reading. It uses artificial intelligence and responses to the child and so on. And it begins, you know, printed kindergarten. Uh, and it, uh, I looked at it, it was all fine, except when I looked at the content, it was, as the uh, CEO said, content neutral. It's uh, bunny rabbits, right? So I thought, and someone else actually proposed the specific, that uh, we teach kids how to read by reading some of the early stuff from, I'm sorry to plug another book of mine, old book called The Book of Virtues, uh, which teaches a lot of these schools are going to start with uh, honesty and perseverance. Um, why not? Well, that's well, what they used to. That's what they used to yeah, do. Bill. New England Primer and Adams Fall. We send all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, he had Adam in there. Uh, you know. Anyway, um, wasn't Adam Sandler? It was the other Adam. But um, that's right. So it's a it's a modest idea of reintroducing a very old idea. You know. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see. Um, if it uh, if it catches on. Uh, okay. I, I you know and back to Israel. Yes. How could you 
parade in the streets for Hamas or Gaza uh, if you if you if you knew the facts. I, I guess I comfort myself by saying they don't know the facts, but that's very discomforting too because I was the Secretary of Education. I guess you could blame me, you know. Well, they know uh, they know enough of the facts, Bill. They know enough of the facts. I mean, college they, they should know care they, enough they, to get out there and protest and march, yeah, yeah. assault their fellow students. They, they they have they have read some accounts of what happened on October seventh. They can't be they can't be completely in the dark. You know, I I I can't let them off the hook. I I think we are seeing a a a kind of deadness of the soul here that is that is maybe really maybe they're buzzed too you know i was watching our friend laura ingram last night you know she said that uh we will look back 50 years and 25 years and say that the legalization of marijuana was one of the dumbest things we ever did uh, i go along with that um you realize how many people you talk to are high and you may not pick up on it right away but they are they're just high. oh man uh, it's so stupid, so stupid, Bill. You can yeah, hardly... stupid. It's stupid. And Irving Crystal put it that way. It's a, said this is a republic not made for people who are stupid and buzzed half the time. Yeah. Anyway, talking about stupid and buzzed, let's talk about the election uh, twenty four. Now I want to come at this. Uh, you got a few more minutes, right, John? Sure. Yeah. I want to come at this a different angle. I've been watching my favorite channel, Fox. You know they employ me, so I I like them a lot. And uh, I tend to agree with a lot of what's on. They are so bullish on 24. Uh, Trump uh, beats uh, Biden by two points or four points. Uh, Nikki Haley does even better and so on. And boy, people are so down on Biden. And da, 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 da. and man, you know, Republicans, we got this thing won. Oh, no, we don't. Oh, no, we don't. I think there's a lot of delusion going on here let me say why one they have not yet begun to fight on trump if trump's the nominee the stuff you've seen so far is just preliminary i mean maga the right-wing extremist the terrorism from the right trump is the leader trump is the tyrant it's just not even begun yet two abortion Holy smokes, what a battering ram that's turned out to be for the Democrats. Well, and I'll Repu- tell you, in Minnesota in 22, it was the only issue in the election. We thought uh-huh, we were going right. to have a really good year in Minnesota. That's we right. thought we were going to win, and nobody voted on anything, as far as I could tell, except abortion. Right, right. And it has really proved a, a very big deal for Democrats. You would agree, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and Republicans haven't had a good response. And then third, and then I want you to talk, um, and there may be more than three. They know how to play this game called elections, uh, the Democrats and the liberals. Republicans and conservatives don't. I mean, even short of cheating, which I'm confident will go on, um, they're just better at it, better at getting their people in and on and voting early and doing all that stuff. They're better at collecting uh, ballots. Yeah. I mean, and the, sure number, are. So, the sheer number of ballots being cast. Now, a lot of people don't realize this. The sheer number of ballots being cast is revolutionary. Yeah. You, know, you, you turn on all your voters, all the voters that used to be enough to win elections. That's not even enough to come close anymore. Yeah. So I, I believe that, um, you know, they're whistling in the dark 
uh, caution, beware. Comment on any or all of those three. Points? Well, I, I'm, I may have to turn in my license as a prognosticator, right? I've, okay. I've been living for the last seven years off the fact that I was one of the few people who predicted that Donald Trump would win in 2016. Okay. And I thought, oh, I got my finger on the pulse. I, I don't think I've made a correct prediction since then. Well, well that was a pretty good one, though. It was a good one. But one of the things that I, I've been saying for a long time with confidence was, is that neither Donald Trump nor Joe Biden is going to be on the ballot in 2024. Is that what you believe? Well, that's what I I believed until recently, at least. I, for the last year, I've been telling people, like, don't, don't forget about Trump versus Biden. Neither one of them is going to be on the ballot. The Democrats have a lot of faults, but they are not stupid enough to nominate Joe Biden. I was convinced that they had a plan where where right before the primaries began, Biden was going to give a tearful speech from the Oval Office and announce that he had always planned to seek a second term. But just in recent weeks, he's had some health setbacks and he's going to step down at the end of his term and and turn the baton over to someone younger. And then we, and then we would see Gavin Newsom announce and file in all the primary states and so on. What what do they do with Kamala? Well, Kamala, I think on that scenario, uh, Kamala is free to run. You know, she can enter the primaries uh, and no one's going to stand in her way. She just wouldn't win. And they might take a little bit of heat for that. But I don't, you know, if, if, if Gavin Newsom wins the primaries, you know, so be it. I think that was a that I think that was the way they could get rid of of Kamala. You know, let let Biden serve out his term mm-hmm. and have a primary process. You know, which Kamala wouldn't wouldn't win. Right. <laughs> but you know, these primary filing deadlines are going by, and you know, there's Joe Biden. So I don't know what's happening there. On the Republican side, um. I really thought that the early polls where Trump was strong, its name recognition, its residual loyalty. Uh, and I I really thought that Ron DeSantis was going to be the man. He's certainly my favorite. Um, and and I and uh, the only vestige of hope that I'm hanging on to now uh, is let's at least let people vote. You know, I don't know when Republicans all of a sudden got so much confidence in the polls, right? You know, based yeah, on right, what, right, based right. on what experience we've had. You know, and and everything. You know, primary polling is you know is really volatile, right? But primary sure. voters change their minds very very easily sure. okay, when someone someone turns in a good debate performance or does well in a given state, picks up momentum. So my only hope on the Republican side is that. Um, when people actually start voting, it's a completely different picture. Because you don't I, want Trump to be the nominee. Oh, gosh, no. No, Trump Trump is the one man in the world who could lose to Joe Biden. Yeah, I think that's right. I'm afraid that's right. Plus, I don't want him as president. I don't want a 77-year-old. And, and, and of course, that's, that's on election day, you know. I don't want a 77-year-old president. I, I want to move on. I want to move on to a different generation. I want a president who is a better administrator than Trump is. Trump is, frankly, largely inept as an administrator, as we saw in his first term. He did some good things, you know, but he doesn't know how to run an administration. And his his personal baggage, I mean, I don't want a president. We, we have a lot of problems in our country, Bill, as you know. I mean, we have got some very serious problems. 
And I don't want a president whose number one concern is always himself. All right. But he ran a pretty good country. No, he was a good president. I, I've given him, I've said many times, he was our best president since Reagan quite easily. I he mean, border, good, economy, all sorts of things. Yes, right? yes. And, and, China. And, and, yeah, yeah. And somewhat ironically, Bill, in my opinion, you might see this a little bit differently, but in my opinion, where Trump was successful, he was successful because he governed as a traditional Republican. Yeah. You know, not not as some kind of a unique Trumpist, you know, but the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, that's straight out of the Reagan playbook. You know, um, yeah, the, yeah, the, the sure, foreign sure, policy, sure. the foreign policy, you know, speak softly, carry the big stick, uh, be be a little unpredictable. Uh, yeah, you yeah, know, that's yeah, that's yeah. the Republican. That's the traditional Republican playbook where, where he right. really mm-hmm. didn't succeed is is in areas like, you know, building the wall. You know, he, he yeah. was there. Well, so you like Santos. I do, too. But he has not caught on. Well, let's find let's find out, Bill. I guess my my last vestige of hope. He's been working Iowa hard, as you know, he's got Kim Reynolds endorsement, spent a lot of time there. I don't think there's any way you can pull Iowa caucus goers. I mean, there's right. no way else yeah. can tell that whether the person on the other end of the phone is one of the relative handful that's going to turn out for the caucuses. But right? You can look so, at trends, though. You can look at trends, and and I, I got to say, I'm, I don't, I don't love her, but Nikki Haley is, is seems to be moving up. Well, we'll see. Well, I, yeah, I, we'll I, see. I prefer okay. I prefer her to Trump, uh, if, okay. if only yeah, because no, she would no. win. You want to comment on abortion as an election issue? Yeah, you know, I think what we have learned, Bill, is that while abortion is not particularly popular. The right to abortion is very yeah, popular. Yeah. And and this has been framed as a civil rights issue, as a freedom issue. Yeah, yeah, and frankly, yeah. it's dragging down our side. If you go out and, and do a man in the street poll and you say and you ask the question, which party is more in favor of personal freedom? Half the people yeah. will say the Democrats. And yeah, if you yeah. if you say, What the heck are you talking about? How can you yeah. say that? Right? The answer is going to be abortion. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that that we have failed to appreciate that the large majority of people uh, who who don't like abortion certainly have no intention of getting an abortion. Nevertheless, view it as a as a as a freedom issue and are in favor of the right to abortion. And I think and and, and ironically, Bill, we we've been under this liberal abortion regime since what 1973. The number of abortions being performed has been going down, not up. Yeah, and the younger right. generation in particular, which is the relevant generation, is not crazy about abortion. Yeah. You know, it's been a really interesting trend. And so I think that anti-abortion people should forget about the legal fight and concentrate on the moral fight and the social fight and and start, okay. which is really where the battle should be fought, in my opinion. And yeah. start saying, yeah. You may have the right to abortion. The voters decided that. But that doesn't answer the question, should you get an abortion? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I, you know, Republicans have not come up with a persuasive response to this point, I think. Well, I thought that the fifth, I thought the 15 week or 16 week compromise, you know, ought to sell. Uh, I don't, I don't think it has electorally. And I think the reason that it hasn't is because it's kind of fighting the wrong battle, you know? Yeah. Well, it's a command by the state. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, thou, right. thou shalt not after 15 right. weeks. Well, who the hell are you to tell me? Yeah. Right. That's exactly. Bill, right. that is exactly correct. It doesn't, it doesn't deal with the fact that w- what this is per- perceived as is a, a freedom issue. Right. And you do agree with me. I take it. This was the first thing we talked about, that they Democrats, liberals play this game better than we do the election game. Oh yeah. 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 They always have. Yeah. They care about it more, too. You know, they really do. You know, years I mean, ago, that's, Bill, that's where they want to be. They want to be in power in Washington. Oh, you a lot of Republicans rather would do something else. A lot of when, when you see what happened in the House of Representatives earlier this year, I mean, it had to raise the question. Do these guys actually want to win? Do they actually? Yeah. want? No, that's right. Bill, Bill, you may remember this. I think it goes back to the 1980s or thereabouts or 70s. Even some prominent Democrat said, yeah, you Republicans hate the government. So you let us run it for you. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I think. All right. A last thing, uh, if you'll give us a couple of minutes. Claude asked me this before you came on and I had very little to say. Given uh, odd, given the I guess the outsized influence and a number of years, but Henry Kissinger died. Wh- what of him? You know, uh, this is one of those topics on which I'm not sure I have much of an opinion. You know, yeah, me neither. Uh, Kissinger, he, he was obviously a very able guy. He was a patriotic guy. He was not one of the, you know, the State Department, you know, uh, liberals. Um, he, in in those ways, I certainly I certainly approve of him. If if you ask what were his big achievements, well, you know, he and Nixon opened the door to China. That would be number one. And I guess we're kind of living through a reassessment of, yeah, of all of yeah. that, right? Yeah, man. How, how, yeah, man. Yeah, how good the idea did, did all that turn out to be? It's it's kind of it's, it's hard to imagine the alternative universe where it, where it didn't happen. Yeah, that's right. I don't have much to say either. I, I can't tell you. Oh well. You know, I just Nick Kissinger was I, I don't know what to say afterwards. Yeah. I mean, he was influential and to both parties and trusted as a, you know, a wise man, the, the wise man of foreign policy. I, I found him somewhat inscrutable. Yeah, I don't doubt that he gave various presidents, you know, good advice on specific foreign policy issues from time to time. I mean, you hear that said by presidents themselves, you know, and and I I do think he was a very able guy and in many ways a wise, a wise guy, um, you know, kind of the Talleyrand of our time in a sense. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But yeah, whether yeah. he was right or wrong, you know, the other thing he's really associated with is Vietnam. Yeah. That's right. And All so, right. I don't want to. I don't want to end with that. That's too much of a whimper. Our friend, our old friend Charles Krauthammer. You remember he wrote several columns against people who talked about declinism. You know, America's in decline. Yeah. And I cheered him on. I'm not so sure now. I think we are. I, I don't think there's any doubt that we're in decline today, Bill. I would say an optimist is somebody who thinks that we can pull out of the decline. Yeah. Do you think so? I think it's fifty-fifty. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Because. The Main forces reasons. against us are so powerful. Yeah. You know, the left has taken over every institution. Yeah. 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 They have turned our education system into a complete disaster. Yeah. Um, I, 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 it's, it's very hard to see a scenario where our side catches up. Uh, on the other hand, truth is so much more powerful than fiction. No, you know, no. Reality, no. reality does tend to intrude, you know, and, and I guess we just have to hope that if we're on the side of truth, ultimately we're going to win. And that'll take us back to our first topic. Let's see if truth uh, prevails in this debate on Israel. 
right? Yeah. On campus and elsewhere in the world. Thank you, John Hinderocker. Thank you. God love you. God bless you. God love you. And God bless all the work you do. Thank you very much. And uh, I I really do appreciate you going to those those districts, large and small in Minnesota on those uh, social studies standards. First key, of course, is calling it social studies rather than history, you know. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, John. Enjoy London. Yep. Thank you, Bill. Bye-bye. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Well, that does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to thebillbennettshow.com. You can follow me on X. Mm -hmm. We we changed it this week to reflect the uh, change in Twitter. Formerly known as Twitter, at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's billbennettpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. And we will catch up next week. Correct, Claude? Correct. Yes, sir. We will. Mm-hmm.